Good morning, Norfew, and uh, welcome. We're glad that you're back and um, looking forward to this morning. You'll notice uh, this morning that I will be dressed a little different uh, than I am during the actual service, and that's simply because some news came up this week 
that we felt was really important that we pass on to you. Uh, this is a picture here of my friends Richard and Kathy Kennard. And we want to let you know that Richard passed away last week. Uh, he was mowing the lawn and had a heart attack and went home to be with the Lord. We celebrate the fact that he knew Jesus. He loved Jesus. He served Jesus. There's no doubt where he is, but we mourn the fact that Kathy has lost her best friend and we've lost a member here at Northview. And so we want you to know as a church family uh, to be in prayer for Kathy and her family. And uh, we want you to know that there'll be opportunities to serve and help her out. And we'll make you aware of those. But be in prayer. And we will also let you know uh, in this strange time uh, what we'll do for funeral arrangements. So we'll get more to you uh, in, the, in the future. But we wanted to give you that announcement this morning. And then we'll turn it over to Esther and the team and we'll open up in worship. So Esther, take it away. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Northview Online. We welcome you. We're kicking it off this morning with worship. So right where you are, we invite you to stand as you're able. If you feel led, you're welcome to sit. But we invite you to meditate on these awesome truths as we sing together this morning. It's coming on the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow chain will break, his broken hearts declare his praise, who can stop the Lord Almighty, our God is the light, the light of Judah, who's roaring with power and fighting our battles, and every knee will bow before him, our
Church, we're starting a brand new sermon series today. It's called Truth Versus Lies Through the Psalms. And it's just an awesome journey through some of the different psalms, proclaiming God's truth against a world that is proclaiming so many lies. And I can testify that as we meditate on those words, we can find true joy through the Father. For those whose hope is in the name of the Lord, we have true joy and hope. It doesn't mean we have to be plastic or show plastic faces through difficult times, right? I can tell you, my husband could tell you, I have had plenty of meltdowns, okay? Finding joy, having inner joy does not mean fake plastic smiles. It means steadfast joy as we lean into the spirit and as we have that at the very depth as our foundation to hold on to through any situation. So this song comes right out of Psalm 146. It's called, What Joy? And we invite you to meditate on these promises as we sing these beautiful words from the Psalms this morning.
Father, we thank you for this morning. We've had an excellent time in your presence as we focus on your truths and just simply who you are this morning. Let all the glory and honor come back to you. We ask that you fill us with stillness in our hearts. Help us walk in love and in peace by focusing on you, Jesus. Be with us. Hear our hearts, we pray. And with faith, we say all of this. Good morning, Northview. Grateful for everyone who's again tuning in this morning. I'm glad to be back. I just want to shout out a super grateful thanks to uh, the people who've spoken the last two weeks. Scott and Noel Hardaway just did a great job of sharing their journey and uh, what it's been like for them to try and get to Papua New Guinea in the mission field that God called them to. So we're grateful that we got caught up with them. And then also my beloved buddy, John Burkhalter, came and let us know what the ministry in the prison looks like and uh, what's involved with that. And, uh, you know, for, for us, we're trapped in our homes. That's a hard thing. But you can imagine being trapped in North Carolina. You can't get where you want to go. Or being in prison and you can't really go anywhere. Um, so we need to they, just, I want to encourage us to remember to pray for those ministries. They, they need our support. Well, on top of that, it's also Mother's Day. And it's really weird because we can't hand out chocolate or any of the stuff we usually do. And so moms, you're our heroes. You've done a great job through this whole pandemic thing we've been going through. And we know that you've been pushed quite a bit, but you have answered the call and rallied. And we've got a little video for you to watch. So enjoy. Hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Hey mom, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day and happy birthday to my amazing mom. My mother is incredibly kind. She's super generous. She's a great hostess. She's really funny and she brightens the room whenever she walks into it. What I love about my mom is that she's really nice and she always helps me when I need it. My mom is the sweetest. She's super funny. She's a little bit weird, but that's what I am too, so we're perfect for each other. And we love you, and we love everything about you, but especially the way that you always encourage and push us to be the best versions of ourselves and everyone in our family. Hey, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I like your kissing and your hugging and your snuggling. Something I love to do is with my mom is snuggle. My mom makes me feel safe at home. I love how kind you are and how resilient you are. The thing I love most about my mom is she's smart. My mom makes me feel happy. A silly thing about my mom is her sneezes. Achoo! What I love the most about mom is that she helps everyone. The reason I love my mom is because uh, she's very loving and caring and very compassionate about me. What I miss about my mom is being able to call her. Uh, she passed away last September, and so I can't call her anymore. And I miss her laugh, and I miss her giggles. And so I just encourage you to love your moms while you got them. Some of the things I love about her are how generous, encouraging, and caring she is towards her friends and family. Um, we also love how compassionate and how much love that you pour into our family and to everyone else around us. The thing by like about mommy is that she's beautiful. What I love 
the most about mom is that she's so kind to everyone. She taught me to be respectful of others. She taught me responsibility to work hard. And she taught me to be resourceful. I like that um, you are caring and helpful. And you're calming your presence in the family and just pushing everyone hard. I just want to tell you how much I love you by just saying I love how you take care of me, how you encourage me, and how you love me every day. So, I love you. Bye. We love you. You love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I love you, Mom. I'm your best. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. I love you so much, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. So, thank you, Mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. All right, this morning, uh, we're going to start a new series in the Psalms called Truth Versus Lies. And the Psalms, if you have read them, uh, have ever looked at them, uh, taken as a whole, are regarded as one of the greatest pieces of literature that's ever been written. One of the, the key authors of the Psalms is none other than King David himself. David was, by any measure, an extraordinary man. A warrior renowned in battle. Of course, there's David and Goliath and a number of other battles that he fought. He was a great and powerful king and uh, served for uh, 40 years. As a king, he was also known for his skillful leadership and, and justice, especially uh, towards the poor. He was also a musician. Uh, we don't often think of that, but he was a musician. He was known for his skillful harp playing. He was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And when you think about it, you know, the question is, well, how profound of an artist was he? Consider this. Most modern songs, right? Think through the songs you know and your, your music history kind of deal. Most modern songs stretch of fame is, you know, they last a couple weeks, right? Or if they were good, they last a year or two. If they're really good, they can last a decade or so uh, and people remember them. Uh, very few really fall into the great category uh, where they last for several generations. Think Amazing Grace in, uh, towards this. Um, the Psalms, to give you an idea of their greatness, they were written over 3,000 years ago. Now, here's the problem. We have lost the music to them. In fact, uh, in the beginning of some of the Psalms, as you're looking at them, you'll note that there will be this musical term and then there will be this little number by it and the little number tells you oh go down to the bottom of your bible look up what it says and when you look at the bottom of the page and look at what it says it tells you that we don't know what that term means anymore in essence it's it's been lost to us Uh, lost to us but not lost to god here's here's an absolutely fascinating idea won't it be something to sing the psalms in heaven led by King David himself. Like, wow. Can you imagine what that would be like? That will be something to look forward to. But even though we don't have the music to them, we still have the lyrics. And the lyrics are the actual words. And the words 
paint incredible pictures. And here's the astonishing thing. Although written 3,000 years ago, they sound like they were written today. Uh, They express the same kind of hope, the same kind of fears that all of us face today. And they express the intimate struggle to know God and to love God well. They express our desperate need for Him. They echo our cries for help. God, where are you? And they certainly will connect with our present circumstances in this COVID-19 pandemic that we're facing. So we're going to pray this morning. uh, But before we do and go on with the message, just a reminder, uh, at the end of the message, we'll be sharing in communion together. And so I want you to be able to make sure you have the elements ready and are prepared to do that. So go ahead and, and get those ready. And by the way, we will always broadcasts when we're going to do communion on the e-news for Northview. Most of us get that, but if you're uh, tuning in and you're in a different state or you're new to Northview, all you have to do uh, is to go to um, the the on uh, to end front desk at nview.org and all you have to do is just send us an email and we will send you an email and hook you up with the e-news and then you'll get that as a regular notice, okay? So let's pray and commit this new series to God. Father, there are places in your word where when we come across them, uh, there's a feeling of someone having been there long before us. And, And Lord, that is true of the Psalms. The Psalms echo things. The Psalms um, touch our hearts. And uh, Lord, Jesus, it's just an intimate portrait. It's an intimate portrait and dialogue of what it means to know you and to be walking alongside you. And, and so as we jump into this series, as we take a look at this, we're asking for your presence. We're asking for your manifest presence to be with us, that you would uh, highlight, illuminate, reveal things that maybe others have never seen before, that you'd use me in a significant way as your son and your servant uh, to be a vessel that could communicate. And Lord, we seek that uh, we would come away with a, a more richer, vibrant relationship with you for having done this study. And we give this to you in your name. Amen. All right. So as we come into the Psalms in this series, before we even get into the Psalms themselves, one of the things that we have to understand is that the Psalms are placed in the setting of covenant. And uh, we don't think of that word that often. Uh, Maybe in marriage is the place we would most often think or use that word. But uh, let's talk about covenant a little bit and what it means. So covenant, the first definition of covenant is it's an agreement or a testimony that is binding between two parties. For our purposes this morning, the second definition uh, fits actually better. It's an agreement between two unequal parties in which the stronger party initiates the agreement with the weaker party, and uh, they come into covenant together. The key idea here is that David is in the second position. He's in the weaker position. God is the one initiating the covenant. He is in the stronger, coven- the stronger place. And so David stands in or within what's known as a dynastic suzerainty covenant. How do you like that word? Suzerainty. I actually had to look that up to see how you pronounce it, right? But... Uh, Suzerainty covenant is uh, was a Middle Eastern style covenant, and in this, the stronger party, in this case God, initiates the covenant, 
And this is our great hope for today as well. The biggest point to be noted is that the idea did not begin with David. There was a whole line of people uh, who had led the way in this before David. So let's go back and let's remind ourselves of the sequence of events that plays such a big part in the creation of what we know as the book of Psalms. It all starts with God's creation of a people and a nation. In other words, it all began with Abraham. We find this in Genesis uh, chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, and it says that God brought Abraham outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. If you're wondering if God is big enough for today, if God can handle the COVID-19 pandemic, let me just use this little uh, illustration here that scripture gives us. God takes Abraham outside and points him out. And and of course, in Seattle, that's not a big deal because we have too much light pollution. But if you've ever been in eastern Washington or Arizona or in the desert and places like that, at night when it goes dark, there are no lights. And when you look up, you can see the whole Milky Way scattered. And if you look up, God says, look up, see all those stars. If you can number those, and the reality is no human can number them. Well, God not only can number them, but scripture tells us God knows each one of those stars by name, not just in our galaxy, but in the universe. That's a big God. And that's what God's pointing out to Abraham. He says, look towards heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, he, Abraham, believed the Lord and it it was counted to him as righteousness. And then later, we find that God ratified that covenant with Abraham. Abraham falls into a deep sleep. And it says that when he fell into that sleep, a dreadful darkness came over him. So he's sleeping, but he's also conscious at the time. And and Yahweh tells him that uh, his people would be in exile for 400 years. And that they would be there until the cup of the Amorites was full. In other words, there was a sequencing of events going on here according to God's timetable. And then God would bring them out. And then uh, to ratify that covenant, it says, and when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking pot, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying, to your offspring, I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. These pieces that had been laid out were animals that Abraham had cut in two and then stacked along on each side, each half in a row. And what we have to be conscious of here is that although it says uh, God made the covenant with Abraham, it was really God making the covenant with himself. It was he who walked between the pieces. Abraham is fast asleep. And by passing between the animals, what God's saying basically is, may it be done unto me like these animals if I do not keep my word and my promises to you, Abraham. That covenant was then renewed and extended with Isaac, Abraham's son. And one of the most astonishing uh, stories in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac got to participate in ratifying the covenant together. God tells Abraham to take his miracle son, Isaac, and to go up on the mountain of Moriah. And Abraham is to offer his son, Isaac, as an offering to God. 
Now, there are so many layers and levels to the story. We don't have time to cover it all this morning. But for our purposes today, in light of the idea of covenant, uh, Abraham obeys God. And Isaac, walking with his dad, recognizes something isn't quite right. He's picking up on this. And he goes to his dad. He says, my father. And Abraham says, here I am, my son. And he says, okay, I see the fire and I see the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they went, both of them, on together. Abraham then builds uh, an altar and ties his son up and prepares to offer him. And as he raises the knife to kill his son, God calls out to him and says, Abraham, Abraham, do not slay your son. Now I know that you fear me because you have not withheld your only son. And then Abraham saw a ram, it says, caught in a thicket, and he used that as the burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The name for God that Abraham gave this place is otherwise known as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. And this site now becomes a covenantal site. In hindsight, the history of this spot is almost beyond belief. A theologian, Michael Heiser, uses the term cosmic geography to describe a place or a spot like this. What are we talking about here? Well, Jireh, right? The Lord will provide. Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jireh, shalom, the place where God will provide his peace. We know it as Jerusalem. On the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. This spot would later be the spot of the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And this is the very spot where King David came up as when he came to the threshing site, he saw the angel of the Lord with his sword drawn. It's also the site where Solomon built the first temple and then later where Herod's temple stood. And so on this very hill, this Mount of Moriah, Jesus who had once drawn his sword there as the angel of the Lord that David saw, was now here on the very same hill on a cross dying for the sins of the world. Think about that for a second. All right, back to Abraham. As a result, God ratifies his covenant with Abraham. It says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Then God re-ratifies the same covenant later with Isaac. Now think about Isaac because he understood this. He had been part of this. And so Isaac steps into also a covenant, covenantal relationship with God, just like his father Abraham did. God says to him, sojourn in this land. That means travel, uh, stay here. 
and I will be with you and will bless you. For you and your offspring, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. The covenant then gets passed, then gets passed on to Isaac's son, Jacob. Jacob is on his way to Padam Aram. Uh, he's fleeing his brother Esau. Uh, because Esau is ticked at him that he has tricked him out of his birthright and the blessing. And so when night comes, Jacob takes a rock for a pillow, which makes you wonder about Jacob a little bit. I'm not sure many of us would use a rock for a pillow, but be that what it may. He uses a rock for a pillow and he lies down. And as he's lying down, he looks up and he sees what is known as Jacob's ladder. It's a ladder extending up into heaven. And on it, he sees angels ascending and descending. They're going up and down on this ladder. And looking up, Jacob sees Yahweh standing at the top of the ladder. And it says this, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring." And then God continues, Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. Another picture, stars, like the stars in the heaven. God uses another analogy here, like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. <clears throat> so God enters into the same relationship with Jacob that he did with Abraham. So you can see you have Abraham, then you have Isaac, then you have Jacob. Then God sustains the covenant by Jacob's son Joseph in Egypt when uh, this tremendous famine had come over the world and uh, God had sent Jacob ahead, and you know that story quite well. And then he fulfilled the covenant through Moses and the exodus from Egypt. And then the covenant was again re-ratified and re-established at Sinai by the giving of the law. And this concept is going to play heavily into uh, the Psalms as we study them. And then he renewed the covenant through Joshua as they came into the promised land and they had the blessings and the curses, one on Mount Ebal and one on Mount Gerizim, and they called them out to each other. And then he reestablished the covenant in the kingdom through his prophet Samuel. And Samuel is called upon by the Lord to anoint a young man as the new king. Now, knowing the background, we come all the way around full circle to David again. And we see God establishing, ratifying, the covenant with David, the same way he did with all the others uh, that we looked at earlier. It says this, God is speaking. When your days are fulfilled, he's talking to David about the future of his dynasty and his kingdom. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. 
in accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So first notice the term steadfast love there. Uh, We're going to come back to that many times in this study of the Psalms. It's a a word, steadfast love, that is central to David's understanding of who God is and how he operates. So we're going to come back to that. But not only do we see God relating and covenanting with uh, David, but we also see David responding in covenantal agreement with God. In other words, God initiates the covenant, then David responds. And God had promised all these great things. After he'd promised them, David responds this way. Here's what he says. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes, O God. You have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. And you have shown me future generations, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant. For your servant's sake, O Lord, and here's a key piece, and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness in making known all these great things. There is none like you, O Lord, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. This narrative is... uh, covenantal, relational uh, narrative, uh, and it's clearly played out in the Psalms. Uh, You can look at Psalm uh, 78, Psalm 106, Psalm 135, and you can find this pattern through all three of those Psalms. And we're going to come back to those later uh, in the study. But for this morning, I'd like to ask that you now begin to get ready for communion. So uh, if you have the elements, if you'd begin to pass those out and you'd you'd begin to uh, get ready. And while you're doing that, I'd also like us to look at Psalm 25. It'll be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles and want to open there, either in the Bible or on your phones, that would be fine. But just as Israel was in a covenantal relationship with Yahweh, so the picture is we are in a covenantal relationship with Jesus. That's what it means to be saved. We are actually grafted into what is known in the New Testament as the New Covenant. Uh, Michael Heiser, in his book, The Unseen Realm, says of that relationship in the Old Testament, he says, salvation in the Old Testament meant love for Yahweh alone and and no other gods. And salvation was not merited. It was something that Yahweh had initiated. Yahweh had initiated the relationship. Yahweh's choice and covenant promise had to be believed. Likewise, in the New Testament, salvation means love for Jesus alone. Salvation is not merited by something that I have done, but rather through something that Jesus has done. Jesus has initiated the covenant. And Jesus has initiated this suzerainty covenant, this relationship offer that we're talking about this morning. Jesus' offer of eternal life by his death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven has to be believed. Before we have communion this morning, it occurred to me that there may be someone out there who's been watching uh, all that's been going on with this whole COVID-19 plague and, and realizes there's more to it than just the fact that we're trying to fight some little bug. That things have shifted. Something has tipped. And we may never truly go back to normal again. 
And maybe before this, the need for a relationship with God wasn't all that high on the priority list. That's understandable. And, uh, you know, it just didn't catch your attention. But suddenly it seems to have come into focus. It's taken on a new importance. It's, it's been bink, pinging you. And, and you're kind of going, wow, what do I do with this? And, and you're saying to yourself, wow, how do I step into a covenant with God? And it's this simple And yet it's also astonishingly hard. Scripture tells us, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And if you don't know how to pray, if that's language that you're like, wow, I I don't know what to do with that, uh, here would be a good way to start. Let me give you a possible way you could express your heart to the Lord this morning. It would sound like this. Lord Jesus, I want to be in a covenant relationship with you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Come. And save me from myself and and this world system that we live in. I confess that you died for my sins. And I also confess that you have been raised from the dead. And that you now sit at the right hand of God Almighty as the resurrected Christ. Wash me. Cleanse me by the power of your Holy Spirit. And from here on out, I want to relationally follow you and be in submission to you. In Jesus' name, I would pray this. Amen. If you meant that, if you prayed that, maybe out loud or in your heart, I want to encourage you uh, to share that with someone this morning. I also want to welcome you into the family of God. And feel free to contact us at church Um, Again, front desk at nview.org and we can help you with next steps. Everyone else, thank you for your patience. Um, But if you did pray that prayer, please contact me. I'd love to know and I'd love to talk to you. So as we come to communion this morning, let's remember that communion is a picture of covenant. It's called the new covenant. And the heart of this covenant is so beautifully expressed in Psalms 25. Listen and look at these words and watch the intent of them. It reads like this. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth. Amen, people right? Or my transgressions, according to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord, and therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. And all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his, there's the word, his covenant and his testimonies. For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. 
His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. Does that sound familiar, what we covered this morning? The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever towards the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. You know, when you read those words and you hear the spirit of those words, it talks about, you see the word covenant used in there. And that's what Jesus was doing at communion. He took the Seder meal and inaugurated what was called the new covenant. We would call it salvation. We would call it being saved in Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Uh, Peter said in Acts chapter 2, there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. In other words, he is the entrance to the covenant. And communion is the expression of that covenant. It not only has Jesus initiated that, just like we saw God initiating with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, with Joseph, with Moses, with Samuel, and then, of course, this morning as we looked with David, but he's initiating with us in the suzerainty covenant. The greater initiates and we must respond. And Jesus looks at communion and he says, do you want to be in covenant with me? Then you have to believe what I'm about to do for you. Of course, for them it was future tense. For us it's past tense. We would say what he has done for us. He says, see this, this bread? This represents my body which was broken for you on the cross for your sin. I paid the price. I paved the way. If you want to be in covenant with me, eat this in memory of me. And then he took the cup. So this is the cup of the new what? Covenant. This is the cup of the new covenant. He says, I'm never going to drink this until I return. But this cup represents the shedding of my blood for your sins. You are now covered, protect, washed. If you come under me and come into a relationship with me. He says, drink this in memory of me. I want to thank you for listening Again, if you prayed that prayer this morning, please get in touch with me. I'd love to talk with you. But I want us, uh, Norfew, to keep this idea of covenant. This is a time of being in covenant with God. We must, he is going to stay faithful to us. We must stay faithful to him. We must, as I said earlier a couple weeks ago, wait patiently and look to him. So we're going to look at this whole idea of covenant as we come into the Psalms together and uh, con- counter some of the lies of our culture and I think it's going to be a great study. So let's pray and then we'll turn it over to Esther and the team. Father in heaven, the, the Psalms are profound and I make no claim to understanding the depths that are there or your heart behind it. But I ask in the weeks ahead you would pull out treasure that would not only uh, be a delight for us but Lord would be uh, helpful would be bread for us, would be how to stay close and focused on you in the midst of this crazy period we live in right here with COVID-19. We ask that, Lord, you would break open uh, the Psalms for us and that we would see things we've never seen before and that we would have uh, gifts that would allow us 
to track with you in ways that uh, maybe we never have before. And so we turn that over to you, ask for your blessing again, your presence in it, and give that to you in your name. Amen. Oh, come behold the works of God, the nations at his feet. He breaks the bow and bends the spear and tells the wars to cease. Oh, mighty one of Israel, you are on our side. We walk by faith in God who burns the chariots with
Thank you, Esther. Thank you, team. We deeply appreciate you leading us in worship, and that's really special. Uh, we are able to come back. One of the things that's been really good and we've gotten tons of feedback on is the questions and the prayer points at the end of the service. The last two weeks, of course, we had some Zoom meetings with uh, the Hardaways and, and with John so that we could interact with them. But uh, this week we were able to come back to the questions. And so we want to give you these questions and uh, you'd be able to dialogue with them at home. So question number one, what does the word covenant mean to you? And what would be some modern pictures of covenant that you could come up with uh, this morning. Number two, the story of covenant was, that was shared this morning that we walked through, what, what stood out to you? Was there any point that caught your attention that maybe you saw it a little differently or saw God's hand in a way that you hadn't seen it before? Number three, how did you come into covenant with Jesus? Right, what's your story? Did anybody uh, in your group pray that prayer this morning? Um, and uh, let's talk together about that. And then number four, how do you stay in believing covenant on a week-by-week basis? That should be a couple great uh, questions for you to wrestle with and go through. And then prayer points uh, that are important. Number one, let's continue to pray for those who are on the front lines of helping people during this COVID-19 outbreak. I'm thinking of emergency room people, hospital people. I'm thinking firefighters, police, those people, they are uh, putting themselves on the line all the time. Let's not forget their efforts. And then number two, let's continue to pray that God will destroy this virus. Um, let's pray that it goes away. Let's pray that God takes it out. Number three, let's continue to pray that God would light up revival fires around the world, but especially here in Mill Creek and in the Pacific Northwest, that God would show us favor and kindness and mercy in the Pacific Northwest and lead many to himself, especially so many college-age, high school, junior high, and children uh, who don't even know him or know about him. Number four, let's continue to pray for unity and wisdom for the leaders of our country and the miracle prayer that they would work together, they would quit biting and devouring each other and actually start cooperating and working together, that would be an incredible answer to prayer. And then number five, let's continue to pray for myself and the staff and the elder board as we try to figure out how to minister in this current environment that God will give us ideas and, and help us with this because we've never been here before. And so we're asking that you'd continue to hold us up in prayer. All right, well, Northview, it's been great to be with you again. I miss you terribly. Uh, it's so good to text and talk on the phone, and uh, I just really want you to know, looking forward to the day when we can meet back here together. In the name of Jesus, God bless. We'll see you next week.